1: If ever there was a sport around which there is a shed load of misinformation, misconceptions, myths and straight up lies, it's running. Some of them are old wives tales. Some are just nonsense. (laughs) Others are rooted in fact, but have been blown out of all proportion as they've been handed around websites, blogs, cowboy fitness coaches and the Troy McClures of the fitness information world. Who better to tell us or help us sort fact from fiction than my co-host, coach and Irish athletics legend, Sonia O'Sullivan. Sonia, are you still in Oregon right now, the day after this huge track meet where, I mean, there was stellar, stellar performances?
0: It was amazing. The Prefontaine Classic at Hayward Field in, in Eugene, Oregon, where next year will be the World Championships will be taking place there in July. So it was great to get a preview of that and also to get um, some races that were, you know, many of them were Olympic finals. They mm-hmm. had all the medalists from the Olympics there. So it was fantastic to see, you know, such great quality races and and some amazing performances. So the track in Oregon must be pretty quick as well, because the sprinters like the Elaine Thompson in the 100 metres, she ran 10.59. Unbelievable. Which, Maybe it was ten fifty four. Ten fifty four, I think it was, which is the second fastest time ever, only behind Flojo, which is unbelievable. I mean, that's she's like you know hardly touching the ground. <laughs> it was unbel- <laughs> It was really. I, I actually saw her in the warm up track when they were doing some strides, and you know to be that close, it was amazing. You know, when you're out there yourself warming up and getting ready for a race, you don't pay that kind of much attention. But when I was out there this weekend, I was just kind of watching out the side of my eye and saying you know, wow that is really fast <laughs>
1: yeah i mean it must look like a different like it just looks like a completely different thing right it just uh, n- nearly like a, a different type of human being
0: oh it is amazing and like you see them the girls walking around the hotel and you know they just look like normal people and you're going think how do they run so fast <laughs> and then they come out and they just have you know they have it's plenty of muscles everywhere you know to help them to get down to track that quick, mm. so I think you know there's there's quite a bit of gym work involved i think in in getting these sprinters ready to do what they do and they and they and you know we we'll be probably talking about body type later on, yeah. there's definitely different body shapes and types for all the different events in track and field, you know, the athletes who sprint and who run long distance, they're they're built differently because of the, the training and the exercises they do to prepare themselves.
1: Well, uh, if people aren't following Sonia on Instagram, you really should. Sonia Egre is the tag to, to follow, because some of the posts on you from this track meet were truly brilliant, including the photo bombing of Elliot Kipchoge, which is definitely my favorite Sonya Insta story. But there's also this amazing photo of you and Constance Klosterhafen or Coco as we'll call her from this point forward, as I massacre her name there. I mean, she takes down this European two-mile record, 918.16, which was your record. Now, you mentioned to me that you didn't even know this was your record. Has this happened before, or do you are you aware of all the records that you hold, or do you only find out about them when they get broken? Yeah,
0: sometimes they, they, they kind of blend into the... Distance, you know, you kind of forget. And uh, I knew, I knew I had run nineteen nine nineteen, and in nineteen ninety eight in Cork, and I knew it was a world record at the time and a European record. So, I mean, Coco, she's part of our training group here. So, you know, they're all was trying to beat my PBs. <laughs> it's kind of a a thing, you know. You got to have move on and uh, you know move on past the history books. So we didn't even talk about this one. We've talked about the 1500 before and the, the two kilometre world record is out there for everyone to challenge. But um, yeah, I knew in the back of my head that I had run 9.19. So I was checking to see what Coco was running on Friday night. And when she ran 9.18, then I kind of, thought, oh, well, she's gone past me there. But it was only the next day when I was with Nick and Sophie and we were driving to a little place to go for a run. Mount Baldy, it was called, a lovely spot. It was a bit of a hilly run, <laughs> to just trying to match your um, Tara, hill of Tara. It was, it was pretty hilly. But I kind of mentioned to Nick, I said uh, the Coco had run 9.18, and I then I, I said it was a German record because I saw there was some post, and I said, you know, it might be a European record. And then I was trying to think, you know, who had anyone run faster than me because that would have been a European record way back in 1998. Mm. And I didn't know. So I had to go and look it up later on. So then I actually had to go back and pick Coco up because she was dropped off at a different trail to run and I was picking her up to take her to the gym. (laughs) And while I was waiting for her, which is a common occurrence, I was looking up the records and then I saw that there was actually one other girl, a Portuguese girl, ran a little bit faster than me. She ran 919 indoors. But for the outdoor track nobody had run faster in Europe since nineteen ninety eight. Wow. So when I picked Coco up then, you know, it was it's kinda nice when you have like positive things to, you know, you know, she finished fourth in the race, Mm -hmm. so she's obviously thinking she could be better even though she ran really fast. So we were having a chat on the way to the gym and then I told her I said, you know, that was a European record. (laughs) That was mine. And we were both laughing, you know, because it's, it's quite funny that that would happen. Hilarious. We, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, no, we'll, it we'll, is. We'd we'll have to have a picture for the handover, which <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we, we did at the track later on. Oh, I, see, like
1: I looked at the pictures of when you ran it in 1998. When you look back on those pictures, do you remember those moments? Like, are they etched into your memory or do you do what a lot of us do with these memories, that the photos become the memories and that's actually what you remember?
0: Yeah, I mean, because I would run, you know, so many races in Cork and, you know, back to back fast races there. Sometimes you forget which year was which and what race you ran on which year because I ran different events in Cork all the time. So I did have to look it up and, you know, find pictures because um, I suppose things like that, they make you look back and kind of try and remember what happened that night. And I do remember it. And I know I have a little plaque at home from the IAAF at the time, which is now World Athletics, um, just marking that it was an official world record when I ran the time. So it's it's somewhere at Hong and Cove. <laughs> my 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 mum and dad are looking after it. So, you know, the thing is you have those things forever, but then it's not something that you kind of think about very much, which, you know, goes to show when when something like that happens that you don't, you know, it's not something that I think about all the time or, you know, even at the time of an event that you have to actually go back and look to it. Because I think, for me, you know, when you're working in sport, it's always about looking forward and kind of, you know, chasing the improvements and, you know, just... You don't look back too much. You look back when something happens and you want to check something out and it's it's kind of fun and interesting to do that and to see the old photos and, you know, what, what gear you used to wear back then and your hairstyle and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's always very very amusing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'm the other way around. Like I ran my my fastest 10K ever this weekend and I'll be telling everybody about that. I won't be looking forward. I'll just be looking back on that for the next six months. Going, (laughs) Hanging on to
0: that for a while. (laughs) That's
1: me. And this is the other end of the spectrum. And part of the, uh, you know, part of the beauty of this podcast and our chats is just that, you know, we can have elite running, we have elite running chats with Sonia here. But so many of you are new to it and uh, are Irishman running abroad Strava Club is all about that. If you haven't headed over to strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman running abroad, you should. Runners of all levels in the group. We had a pop up event, as Sonia mentioned, on Saturday morning where I and a bunch of other hardy souls completed Sonia's Hill Sprints session. Anita Murphy, Ella Hill, Stuart Hill, Kevin Devine, Leo McKenna, my cousin, Darren O'Connor, Lorcan Lyons, Michael O'Sullivan and more. Gave it absolute socks going up that. And it is a beast of a hill, Sonia. I don't know if you've done Tara Hill, but you saw the photo that we put up there. Like we went up at the, the challenge was 30 seconds, six hill sprints of 30 seconds. And these were flat out uphill. And I did have I sent you a video of us. They They weren't cursing you, but the sixth one was. <laughs> an absolute killer would you be up for doing it uh, if you're back this time next year or doing it at some point because i really think oh i, I wouldn't have got through this I would, without people with me
0: <laughs> i would love to you know it's great to do hill sessions with people it definitely makes it a lot harder than if you're by yourself mm. and uh, i feel like i had it really easy this weekend i was just doing Six times, 10 seconds up a hill, but it was hardly a hill. It was a gentle slope. <laughs> the, the Baldy Hill, is that but, what this is? Well, well it was at Baldy. the base of the Baldy Hill. <laughs> I was after running around the hills up and down Baldy. And um, then I decided I better do my hill sprints at the end. But they were only for 10 seconds. I was on the shortcut. They were really just six sprints of 10 seconds, I think.
1: <laughs> I want to also give a shout out to Dunboyne Athletics Club, who kindly gave me the use of their track on Wednesday night for my own speed session. Such a gorgeous track, Sonia. Now, you would know where beautiful tracks are. I mean, the 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 track that you and your crew have been using out on the Nike campus is one of the most beautiful kind of woodland tracks. But this place out in Dunboyne I was like oh this is a hidden gem I sent you a photo of it it is beautiful and made me want to ask you the question what is the most beautiful track that you've ever run on or do you have like a top three that you go oh that's that's the dream one
0: well you know it's one of those things that I wish you know when I was first started running that I wrote down the name and took a picture of every track that I visited because you know they come and they go and you do forget them as the time goes Mm. on I'm trying to I don't know. I don't really have any favorites. There'd be one, I'm trying to think where, like in London, we didn't really train any good tracks. I mean, I always liked the Maradike, which is now the Sonia O'Sullivan track.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're Cork. biased there now. That, you have to say that one.
0: <laughs> I'm very biased with that one. <laughs> yeah, But it, it's a lovely location and, mm. um, you know, it's close to the city beside the River Lee. So I've al- I've always enjoyed running there down through the years. But no, I, I don't really have any standout favourites. I suppose I'd either like a track or not like a track. Mm. You know, the the CIT in Cork is where, which is used a lot more for the track meetings these days. And it's a lot better now than it used to be because they have a bit of a stand around it and they have a few more facilities out there. But that used to be kind of the one you'd hate going to that if you couldn't go to the Maradike, you know, for training, Cause probably because it was a bit further out and you'd feel a bit, it'd be a bit lonely out there. It'd <laughs> you know, be unlikely to be people walking past. And that's the thing with tracks is it's kind of not, there's often not very many people on the tracks running. Mm. So when there are people around and you're doing a session, then, you know, you, you instinctively run that little bit better if there's people around the place.
1: Well, yeah. And I also think that, and you said this at our meetup, at Sean Moore Park, that, uh that sensation that, you know, we're running, we're all running apart at the moment, but we're running together. And that is kind of the, the elevation of your game based on the membership of the Strava group. I don't want to push it too hard because I know some people just aren't into Strava, but you can still start a Strava profile and not put your name up. Like That's the other thing that I wanted to suggest people to do later in the show. We will have Sonia's tip of the week as she frantically scrambles through her notes now to find <laughs> a tip of the week. And a story uh, of a full wardrobe malfunction I suffered. On my lawn lawn this week. (laughs) Yeah, this is truly toe curling stuff, but there is a positive outcome to it. Uh, It's also our birthday week this week. The podcast is a year old this week. So we'll be looking back at the last year of the show and we'll have a bit of news on what is coming up. But let's get to the myth-busting and sorting some fact from fiction before we hear also later on, Sonia, that book that you said uh, you wanted to recommend to us. The first of these myths, I think, is the you mentioned the body type thing. It's the thing that comes up all the time. You need to have a certain body type to run. And this is the whole thing of, oh, you're too muscular, you're too... Fat inverted commas that you're just too big of a frame to do this. You're too skinny to do this. You've heard this myth <laughs> a bunch of times. Is it complete nonsense, Sonia, or is there s- anything in the myth that you need to have a certain body type to be a runner?
0: Well, I mean, certain body types probably lend themselves se- to you being a better runner. <laughs> so it depends on you know, the level of runner you are and the level of runner that you want to be. Mm. So there's so many different types of runners out there that every body type can fit into some category. Like I was thinking before, you can have like, you know, they say, well, do you have the body type to be a real runner? Are you a real runner? Well, what's a real runner? You know, mm. there are so many. You, is that a fast runner? An elite runner? A fun runner? A hobby jogger? A plodder, Yeah. A competitive runner? Or a club runner? And then... So they're all different types of runners. But then I would always say that the, you know, the, the runners that compete on the world stage and at the Olympics, I would refer to them as the athletes. And, mm. you know, I'd always say this to Nick when I'm talking, if I'm talking about myself or, you know, some of the people that I coach, where I'll be talking about the runners and, you know, fun running and fitness running. But then if I'm talking about these runners, I'll always talk about the athletes <laughs> 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 and what the athletes are doing. And it's probably because I suppose I was once an athlete and then I differentiate for myself even that I don't view myself as an athlete now, but just as a, someone who likes to run and the fun running part of it. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter what shape you are. Like if you can go out there and put one fo- foot in front of the other and you know, you're running a little bit faster than walking, then then you're you are a runner. Yeah, but and, there's loads
1: of people that will just rule themselves out, right, by going, yeah, OK, I hear what you're saying. I can technically run. But I think that some people decide, well, I can't become someone who runs <laughs> consistently. That's true,
0: cause who were you talking to last week? Who were you talking to last week on the podcast? And you asked them if they would come running. It, um, oh yeah, Rob Carney, the rugby player. <laughs> yeah. Rob Carney, and you you were trying to encourage him to join. To yeah, start running, and he said, "Oh no, no, I can't run at all." <laughs> so he just just decided that he can't run. But, True. You know, Keith Woods runs. If you talk to Keith Woods. He goes for a 10 mile run, he'll tell you, out around Killaloo.
1: Keith is a so friend of the said, show. I we great. should totally get Keith on to talk about that <laughs> because he is the example of the Clydesdale, as they refer to them. they kind of a big unit, as they'd refer to him in GAA. And yeah, I have seen him run and he's obviously well capable of it. And it's probably the proof to those people that might be listening to this going, yeah, I enjoy listening to the chats with Sonia, but I myself am too big to be a runner. That it is possible it is you are able to do it you would know keith a bit right
0: um i do i know keith well yeah um he was kind of you know at the top of his game in the 90s when i would have been running around he also spent quite a bit of time in in london at, over at richmond mm. um so i met him a few times over there and you know we i would have went to a few of the games and met him afterwards. And and met him in Killaloo and he was telling me about his running down there. And he actually helped to establish the park run in Killaloo, which is around. They've got a park with a, I think it's about a one kilometre trail around. They might be just short of a kilometre that they built for the community down there as a recreational space.
1: And what about uh, before we leave this one, because I do think that that is an episode that we need to a range for the future, he'd be a great person to just talk to about strength and conditioning and kind of a life in sport. And, you know, he's taken a fair amount of bashes over the years. There's a ton of people that think they can't become runners because of the injuries they've suffered, that I'm ruled out because I've got a dodgy hip. I'm one of those people, torn liberals in both hips, but still able to do as much running as 50K a week at some point. There are people, though, that think that they're too thin to be runners. Have you heard of that?
0: Uh, not really, no. Okay. Um, I've seen a few well, runners who <laughs> who are who are pretty thin. But you'd think thin runners would be the ones who, you know, they have all the advantages. They're nice and light <laughs> and they can, um, not not much weight to carry around the place. Okay. Um, but, you know, a thin runner, they're definitely starting at a very positive point, you know. And um, it's really one of those things that, You know, when you do start running, I mean, even if I was to stop running for a while and then restart, you go for a run and you would be so sore after Mm. the run because there's no other activity that you do that, you know, takes the pounding and it's just all the weight bearing that you do, even for just 5K of running. And you'd be super sore the next day that you wouldn't be able to go out and run. You'd feel sore walking. You'd be sore walking up and down the stairs and it's one of those things that is it maybe it scares people mm. when they get sore after well. after running and that's where you know there's you know this whole thing about runners and walking that you have to combine if you combine running and walking so that you build up to where you want to be then you get your muscles used to it more so no matter what shape or size or type of body you are you can kind of Train your muscles to be able to carry your weight at a faster pace than walking. This is. I, I mean, some people don't like some people don't like running. Well, this they is, just Walk, this, but that's this, fine too. This but is if, so. Funny. If you like the idea of running but think that you can't, then I think you need to find a way that you can because there's always a way to do some running. I mean, even people with you know long term injuries and aches and pains, there's definitely means and ways around it that you can get. You can get some of that running endorphins somehow. You just have to do it slowly and build up slowly.
1: It's so funny that you mentioned this because I I, I don't think he will mind me saying this. But Ramesh Ranganathan, who is a friend of mine, a comedian in the UK, people probably know, had texted me a few weeks ago to say that he had started but couldn't get past this part of, of hating. the feeling that he just was like, when when does this get easier? And my advice was exactly what you said, which was, well, the second you start hating it, walk for a bit. And then when you feel like going again, go again. And I think that's the way around the hump. I want to get straight to our next our next myth, because this one, I think we've talked about it on a previous myth busting show, but it comes up again and again. And it's this idea around Whether to stretch before your run, it seems like this was the understood and accepted truth that you must pull out your legs and arms before you run. Some people have said to me, it's actually dangerous to do that. What do you remember of this growing up and when do you remember it changing? And is this a complete myth?
0: I think it's something that people do when they're in groups. They tend to stretch. And it, it it depends then on your group if it becomes part of your warm-up routine. And I always find that it depends on how much time you have. So, like, if you have to get out first thing in the morning, you don't always have time to stretch. You know, you barely have time to put your shoes on and run out the door. Mm. And so then you have then you have to start really slowly because... You, no doubt you'll have some aches and pains and you need to wake up all the muscles and tendons and not, you know, hair off down the road at high speed. <laughs> you'll be, be, be coming to a fast stop if you do that. So I think what happens is I think that people who are short on time, they were they kind of would intuitively, they just work out that, okay, we'll head out for a run here. and And your warm-up becomes part of your run. So you ease into your run and your first kilometre is always slower, so then you don't worry too much about stretching. And I always find the stretching part for me comes into it if I'm meeting somebody, and then you're waiting for them. So while you're waiting, you start stretching, or if they turn up, they start stretching, and then you start copying what they're doing. And <laughs>
1: so it's just you know, a social it's, thing.
0: It's kind of a social thing to do, and, and I was at the end of a run, if you stop and you're in the park and you're with somebody and you know you're having a bit of a chat before you head off you start to stretch and you you know you do you you do that one where you you squat down I always do that one where you're doing your glutes and you know you squat down and it's it's quite a hard one to do but you definitely feel like you're stretching a bit and then you might do the hamstring one and the quad one where you're standing on one leg and you're pulling up from behind And it's just a little routine. There's about five stretches you can do that. I think instinctively people do these when they're standing around chatting. Hmm, I don't
1: know. Have you found yourself doing that or
0: not? This
1: might give us an opportunity to ask because, you know, I put up an image of myself doing the downward dog after a run last week with my trusty dog here in Ireland, Cody, (laughs) doing a dog doing downward dog next to me, doing it better than I was doing it. But like I did feel like this was the only time I properly stretched after run in weeks. I felt so much better as a result. And I think we had mentioned a couple of times that you had two to three stretches that you definitely recommend people do after run. Is there time to just slot in what those three are? Can you describe what they are?
0: Yeah, well, I suppose before we do that, I'm wondering did, who started the Downward Dog? You were the dog. <laughs>
1: I was in <laughs> did,
0: you copy, did you copy him or did he copy you? <laughs> he
1: totally copied me. Uh, see, I don't think Downward Dogs, I don't think dogs refer to it as Downward Dog. I think they just <laughs> think it's just them being a dog. <laughs> but I, I, I know, know when, I, when I'm
0: in, when I'm at, at home in Australia and Winnie, if she goes in, like if before or after a run if i see her downward dog they do it in the morning for a big stretch out and it, i always see that as a reminder for me to have a go and <laughs> yeah. be like oh i haven't done that for a while it and then you do a, it's it an you're not very good stretch, at it.
1: though it is an unbelievable stretch oh it's um,
0: brilliant because you... then you do it a few more times and before and you improve like instantly mm. like it is really it's really great yeah, yeah like even talking about it now i want to just get up here and you <laughs> yeah. know go down and <laughs> Give it a
1: go. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it also so does I'm the back. Testing. It does. A, it kind of opens up your back chest and the backs of your legs and mm-hmm. hips. In that particular instance, I also got licked in the face by the dog, which is something that I'm just not a fan of, <laughs> especially with the amount of butt sniffing that goes on in the dog community. I just don't want them licking my face. So Downward no, Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so Downward Dog is one of them. What's the what's the this is this the you mentioned the squatty city downy one that you like doing?
0: Yeah, that's the one. The famous picture goes around there every now and then that I have in my book. Where I don't know how you describe it, but it basically is like you know you're squatting down and you're stretching out your your glutes and your hips and you're just holding your balance at right. a very low level and keeping your feet on the ground. But then it stretches all up to your calves as well. And that's the whole thing with stretching is that all the muscles are connected all up through your legs and into your back. And if you can somehow isolate them all, you know, doing like ankle twists and then calf stretches, which you can do by pushing against the wall or a fence or a tree or whatever is handy. And then what's the other one? Then you can cross your legs and it's like you're going to touch your toes, but you don't have to quite go to your toes. And it's a really good stretch for the back of your hamstrings. And then you cross your legs over the other way. So it's just basically putting one leg in front of the other. And then you bend over slowly until you feel a stretch in your hamstrings. And then as soon as you feel the stretch, you hold it or, you know, you, you don't push too hard. But you just go enough that you feel a little stretch. Okay. And, and then try and hold it for 10 to 15 seconds and then get back up and do these things five or six times. And then the quads is always a really big one, I think, for stretching. You feel like I can feel mine now are pretty sore. I did a bit of a long run this morning. And then I'm probably after those hills at Mount Baldy yesterday. That's probably running down the hills more than anything. Your quads get really sore. And you can quite easily stretch them standing and you pull your leg up behind. You can get a good stretch out of that. There is a really good one on the floor. I'll be able to send you that from the stretching poster. Where you, yeah, you're lying on your side and you basically, I don't know, it's hard to describe it. Is it that you do
1: the standing heel pull while lying on one side?
0: Yes, it is a bit like that, yeah. So I'll include
1: all of these in the notes, right. This is another benefit of being a member of Irishman Abroad over on Patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. It is also how I keep the lights on and how I continue to make this podcast and how uh, Irishman running abroad has made it to a year, uh, one year old this week. Because of the kindness, soundness and intelligence of our members who get that you get an awful lot more by paying a fiver a month. You get access to our full archive of episodes. That's every single episode of the show ever made. That's an episode every single week for the last eight years and three episodes a week for the last year, including Marion McKeown on a Friday with Irishman in America. And of course, as Sonia mentioned, the Rob Carney episode. Hundreds more episodes are in the archive there and all our members get all of those as well as detailed episode notes every week and a further half an hour chat with Sonia. So we're about to say goodbye to everybody on SoundCloud and iTunes. But before we do that, Sonia, is it time for the tip of the week? Tip of the week, tip of the week Tip of the week, tip of the week Tip of the week week. Tip of the week, it's Sonia's tip of the week.
0: I suppose I think for me, one of the key things, you know, that I always, you know, when you're traveling a lot is that um, I like to have a pair of shoes everywhere I go. (laughs) So I think you have to know your shoes and you have to know, you know, which shoes work for you. So I think you have to make a really big effort to find the shoes that work for you. And the problem that I find a lot of the time is a lot of these shoe companies, they change the shoes. And then you have to refind a new pair of shoes again. And I found myself in this position this year. The Pegasus is just gone AWOL. It's just, it's gone somewhere that has never been before. And it's just not comfortable. I think it's a bit like driving a Formula One car and there's no cushioning in the shoe at the moment. So then these other shoes came along called the Invincible. And you know they're like riding on a tractor, <laughs> and they're so soft and cushy and comfortable. You know when you see your man driving down the yeah, road yeah. in Ireland, he's not feeling a bump in and the he's road bobbing at all. Along. He's bobbing along, and he feels nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how you feel. Yeah, when you wear these Invincibles, you can run on anything and you feel nothing. And they're
1: Nike Invincibles.
0: They, they are Nike, and they're they're they're. they're where did I know? I wasn't able to get them in Ireland, actually. I had them sent from the UK. So I currently have a pair in Australia, a pair in Ireland. <laughs> a pair, I had a couple of pairs here in in America. And so my next goal now is to get a pair in London for when I arrive next Thursday. So I don't have to carry them with me because that's my biggest thing that I hate doing is having to carry shoes with me when I travel. So I like to have the luxury i suppose of having a pair of shoes waiting for me on arrival but then i leave them there for the next time i return so when i'm in teddington next week there'll definitely be a pair of shoes there but they're not the shoes that i actually really like at the moment
1: i mean i'm fa as people know i am absolutely i'm so happy this tip of the week is happening because i am absolutely fascinated <laughs> by runners uh, on every level of this like i First of all, I'm absolutely fascinated by the fact that you have a a relationship with Nike where you can just go. Can I have runners? Is that the deal here? <laughs> like, can you say? Well,
0: kind of. Like I still feel like I kind of because I feel myself as a fun runner, <laughs> fitness. I love, you know I can't demand shoes, so yeah. I still have to ask nicely, you know, and explain why I need them. <laughs> Oh. So there's always a sense of guilt, you know, of asking for some shoes. But it's always nice when you get the positive reaction and they turn up on your doorstep.
1: I am looking <laughs> at the Invincibles. What yeah, but I'm looking at the Invincibles right now really quick. They look amazing. They look so comfy. I really want <laughs> these runners now. But I'm so open to suggestion on runners that this tip of find the ones that work for you is quite hard because this is expensive enough business trying to find the ones that work for you. People may remember that three months into this podcast, I switched to Nike Pegasus and wound up with an injury, I feel, because of them. Maybe not because of them specifically, but, you, you, you know, you can get this wrong and go be three months down the road and go, oh, it was it was a bad decision to move to those shoes. What do you say to people who are trying to find or trying to take your advice, but are actually like, well, I can't really test drive
0: runners? Well, I think what you need to do is when you do try new runners that you hold on to your old ones and that you kind of introduce them. So you go every second day for a while. And it's all I think it's always good to have an alternate pair of runners that you don't wear the same ones every day. Even if they're two of the same and you've got the old ones and the new ones and then you're alternating them until the old ones are totally worn out. Mm. And one of my favorite things to do is when I go traveling somewhere, if I do have to bring some shoes with me, is if I have an old pair of shoes and I know there's only a short life left in them, is to bring them with me. And then when you leave, you can just leave them behind. (laughs) and you don't have to bring them with you, so then you have more space in your bag.
1: Sacrilegious, leaving runners behind. I mean, Sonia, we'll, we'll have to leave the tip of the week there, but we're definitely going to come back to talking about runners in another episode. Maybe we just need a runners episode, but we'll say goodbye to our listeners on iTunes and SoundCloud and really do encourage you that this should be the week. I mean, a year in, a year of free podcasts with Sonia O'Sullivan. Now's the time to pop over and start enjoying the benefits of being a member of Irishman Abroad over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad.
0: One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise.